go. I think we're recording. Perfect. All right. So, Lourdes, how are you? I'm so good. How are you, Brian? Awesome. Um, I'm doing great. We were just uh, rapping a bunch of, about a bunch of stuff here. Uh, I always, every person I have on the podcast, it's always like we start chatting before we press record. And I'm like, damn, wish we captured this. This is a really good conversation. But uh, we'll call it video. I mean, whatever. Yeah, yeah, reverse. It'll be fine. Um, so, all right. I was just drop in here. Introduce yourself. Tell us where you are, how you got there, what you like to do, uh, whatever you really want to talk about. Awesome. I have a really long, weird story, so I will spare y'all most of that. Um, originally from Iowa City, Iowa, I was a one of those weird kids that did music and sports growing up. So I was like lead of the musical while simultaneously <laughs> the captain of the tennis team. And I always kind of had this like dichotomy of arts and sports, which I thought was going to end when I went to college. I went to a conservatory of music and wanted to be the best music teacher there ever was. Um, and then my junior year got an email from the softball coach saying they really needed a player and heard that I had played. <laughs> so there I was back in sports my junior year of college. Um, and I just... I haven't been able to get away from teaching and music and I haven't been able to get away from health and fitness. So now I do both. Um, I am a halftime choir teacher, middle school choir teacher. Um, Pre-COVID, I was singing professionally with a couple choirs in Dallas, where I am Very now. Cool. And I also run my own nutrition and mindset coaching business. Um, the other <laughs> half, I'm using air quotes, half of the time. Um, so Yeah, demands like double time, but that's okay. Half yeah, the time. it's fine. We'll just call it half time. Um, so I have my precision nutrition level one cert yoga teacher certification and really pushing the wire here with my uh, ISSA personal training cert that I'm about 10% done with and have to finish in October. Um, but it's fine. We'll be fine. Um, there's always so, the nighttime to work. Yeah. Right. Of course we can sleep when we're dead. Right. Yeah. yeah. Not true. I am like <laughs> super, such a hard ass about sleep. Um, I used to think that and I, I felt that way. Um, yeah, I, can't, I can't not sleep now. It's dude, man, when I don't get sleep, I'm like, I'm screwed up. I got a text from my co-teacher last night at 9.15 p.m. asking me to like do X, Y, and Z. And I seriously almost started crying because I was like, this is not what I do at 9.15 p.m. You're it's cutting into my sleep. Bedtime. Like, what is this shit? Oh, there was a day. There was a day of like six hours of sleep every night. But I'm a solid eight to nine hours these days. I'm sure age has nothing to do with it. Um, but, you know, just kind of accidentally started this business about a little over a year ago and I've accepted my my fate now as a musician nutrition coach weird yeah that's me that's what I do jack of all <laughs> trades right there we go Jane thank you the, yeah sure Jane of all <laughs> trades I've never heard that so that's awesome thank you I got you I'm here for you that's great that's great well, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that uh, you were only a year in this thing. You talk uh, like when I know. Okay, so we'll just back this up. We met through um, working with our business mentor, uh, Jen Kennedy, right? So we kind of met through this thing and I'm going to go out there and like you were the first person to ever pitch me for a podcast, which was <laughs> hilarious and like really awesome and, and like humbling deal. at the same time. Yeah, huge deal. My mom and aunt are really pumped up that someone hey pitched me right now. Yeah. I, um <laughs> But I thought that I thought that was hilarious. But we did meet through that the, the academy there, um, which was really cool and learned a lot about a lot of people and a lot of things. Um, but it's always it's fascinating to see how people come into their power. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I like talking to people authentically about you know how they got to where they are, not so much about what they're doing, but you know what was that pathway? Where did you find your power? How do you continue to cultivate? Um, your belief in self, your power, you know, getting over the, it's not that negative thoughts go away, but how do we maneuver them? Yeah. And so, you know, we were wrapping for this. I had, we had some notes we talked about, but I literally wrote in there, well, where do you find your power? Because we've, we've kind of talked about this, but like finding your voice, I'm personally struggling with that aspect of my business mm -hmm. and my path and journey in life right now of like, where's my place? And I look at you as somebody that, um, 
for lack of better terms, battles the bullshit and just goes for what, what you want to do. And I think I, it's really respectable. And uh, so that's the easy question. Where, where do you find your power in all of that? Um, so I think it's a couple things. Um, I think there's an aspect of it that's courage, right? And then there's an aspect of it that is um, like our, our reason, maybe, our why. I think that, and it's so funny, I, I hear people all the time that are like, I want to thank my mom. I'm like totally not that person, but when asked this question, like- But I'm going to be that person. I'm, I'm going to be that person. <laughs> um, and my mom's totally going to listen to this, by the way. So not just your mom, but my mom. We got three listeners now. We're crushing this thing. <laughs> um, so she was always like a take no bullshit kind of person. And so growing up with that and seeing- uh, having this female presence of like, I, she has her PhD, she makes good money, she has moved up the, um, she's worked at a university for a long time, and so moved up that ladder, if you will. And, um, you know, she, she never seemed afraid of anything. And I think the keyword is seemed because everyone is yeah. afraid of things. Yeah. Um, but having that example was huge. And it's one of those things that I felt was normal until I started working with female clients. And I was like, Oh my God, like this is, I, people didn't have this. Like most women didn't have this growing up. And so the courage aspect I think comes from her example. Um, the reason or my why, I guess like I've just always gravitated toward teaching people. Fun fact, when I was like a junior and senior in high school, um, we had, I was in orchestra and choir and um, <laughs> there were rare occasions where both the head director and the assistant director would be out um, for like a comp music conference or something like that. And I, they would hire a sub who was not a music sub to just sit there and supervise because of like legality. And they would leave me a lesson plan as this like 16 year old. And they'd be like, you're going to lead the rehearsal while we're gone. My first job was a camp counselor. Like I have just been in these educational and leadership type positions for over half of my life. So yeah. it just has always come so naturally to me. And I think that's why being in um, an athletic space, like I have never been that great of an athlete, but because I love health and fitness and I'm a natural leader and educator, I think that's why I kind of was led to this space of, coaching. Um, and so with, you know, the courage, um, that I grew up having as a model, plus having a really strong reason behind what I'm doing, I think that just kind of gives me my superpower, if you will, or allows me to step into that power. Um, I don't feel like I have to ever fight that. Like it just feels good. I like that. That's cool. It is very much aligned with yourself then. For sure. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said the word leadership. I have that written down. I am also going to say, like, you're, I come from a musical family. So my dad is a, a musician. Awesome. <laughs> um, my, my dad is a percussionist, is a drummer. So I, I grew up underneath that umbrella. My sister, uh, she went to college for music and was a band director. She's since uh, so awesome. got out of the teaching world. Um, and then my, my brother-in-law, he's in the music world. Like, that's, that's so my, you know, you say, like, Dorsha, I was the captain of the hockey team and also the drumline section leader. So, like, oh, I, yes. I get all of that. Um, but it, it's funny with those two things, what it was was leadership positions. Yep. And that, that to me is, um, you know, my wife Morgan and I were just talking. She's, she's a yoga instructor and, all, you know, she would fit in with our group really well. She's uh, very much into, like, we're, like, the woo-woo side of things. And, like, I love our, it. I was, I was telling you before, like, our house is turning and, like, it, it's kind of exciting, but it's also really easy to, like, make jabs at it. I believe in it it's just it's more fun that way um but you know we're like burning sage or something I'm like oh, i gotta act like the tough rough guy where i'm like what the hell is this but i'm like deep down like this is actually kind of cool i'm into this it thing here really nice yeah well that was a thing she was like burn i was like you're a goofball but we should do this probably daily because this this does smell pretty good right now um but like the leadership side of things and, and i've always I, I feel similar where I, I felt like i always wanted to lead self and others and it's just easier to lead to me it's easier to lead self when you've got an army with you um and that that's always been really exciting and i think that for for whatever, whatever reason uh, finding that courage or that space to be myself i'm having a hard time uh, um really putting that together but that's part of the experiment that's part of the experience and 
that's how we develop ourselves. You know, not everybody's, not every day is going to be everybody's best day. And, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, we got to take those, to, those punches too, but that's really cool. Um, I'm sure there's a huge transition or a, a big relationship between being at school, leading youngsters and then having to go work with the adults and being like, it is. it's so, like the same problems. It's just older people saying <laughs> dumb shit, yeah. you know? It's you so know? true. So, it is. There are a lot of things that are exactly the same and a lot of things that are so different. Um, mostly that I can say swear words to the grown ups. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, I do, I really like now that I'm back in school, um, I'm a teacher from like 8 a.m. to noon. And then I have been really intentional about taking like an hour, hour and a half to kind of go for a walk, eat lunch, read, and like transition to coach in the afternoon because. There are a lot of differences and it's, you know, teaching is really difficult for a lot of reasons. And I could do like a whole podcast series on that, but working with adults is really different. And I think in some ways more rewarding because it's people who have gotten as far as they have believing all of these things to be true about themselves. And then we get to come in and be like, yo, you don't actually, like, this doesn't have to be your truth. Like you can change this. And the revelation from adults who have lived with these things for 30, 40, 50, I have a client who's almost 60, you know, like into their adulthood, still wanting to change their lives is like, I just think it's so cool. Yeah. When, as as you've said before, but let's step into the power. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think that, um, uh, it's fun. We were just talking about this at lunch, my wife and I, but uh, the one group that I'm certified through at this big community, uh, we always talk about the eight mile moment, you know, the, the moment where you finally get your opportunity to show who you are, who you want to be, and you just take it and you smash it. You know, re- this is referencing Eminem's eight Love mile it. movie. Uh, being, a, being a Detroit boy, that was like our big hit. Like, oh my God, we're on the map now. Like, Eminem, thanks, dude. Um, but you know, like, I feel like people, you know, everybody's got these little things and it's easier to see in like sports world when you're looking at professionals or, you know, these big higher up people, but everybody's got these little moments that go through and like, how do you react to it? I mean, we're going through as as a a society right now. How do you want the story to be told? You know? And to me, like, I love working with, you know, the high school, junior high, young kids because they're impressionable. And although I'm not living what I feel is like in my truth, that sounds not great, but like I'm, I'm, I'm maneuvering to what really speaks and aligns with me as far as work and and how I feel about myself. I'm also aware enough to go talk to these young kids and you hear something and you go, Hey buddy, you know, like you can do anything you want. School doesn't have to be your thing. Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately or fortunately you have to figure out how to struggle through this and, and make it work. Let's do the best you can. But like, you know, I had a, a high schooler the other day we were talking. He's like, I hate school. I said, okay, that's okay. It's not for everybody. You know, you have this obligation now that we are forced into for better or worse. We don't know. We're fine. But I said, well, what, what lights you up? What do you like to do? And so I love sports. and I, I want to go into broadcasting. I said, cool. And he goes, but I, I don't want to do school. And I was like, what if you started a podcast and started talking about sports? He goes, I can't do that. I said, why not? He goes, well, I don't know how to. I said, that doesn't mean you can. It doesn't mean you don't know how to. I said, you know, I run a podcast, right? And he goes, what? I said, all you need is a phone, a computer, and yourself to talk. Uh-huh. Just press record. I was like, and then we get you a site. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, man, like, you don't have to go to school to make yourself um, important in the world or feel like you're in a purpose or whatever you want to be. I said, if you decide to school, great, man, that's great. But like, make sure it's an investment you want to make, not because everybody else around you is doing it or whatever it might be. And it was just, I walked away from that going, that's a real conversation with someone that maybe they listened or not, but at the very least they heard something different. Absolutely. And so like, it's the same thing with adults. Sometimes I wish adults would be, adults talk back. Right. <laughs> so you're like, nah. so you're like, oh, we can swear with adults, but you're like, they can also fucking cuss back at you. you yep. Know? God damn it. You know, like my Morgan always yells at me. She's like, "You're so resistant to the thing I say." I'm like, "I hear you. I'm just awful with you, so I'm going to tell you like what I'm struggling with, what I don't like." Um, but I'm like, "I hear you. I know you're right. That's why I'm resistant because you're right. And I know this. Um, I hope she doesn't listen to this because she's going to like probably like she's cut out the part too. where I just said I. I'm, she's going to cut out the part where I just said you're right, and she's going to use it all the time. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it is really cool watching people kind of come into their power and their belief in self. And man, it, it is, uh, 
there's an energetic exchange. Um, there's between their freedom, between that belief in self, between like just going like, holy shit, man, this is incredible. So being able to coach that, you know, those are moments, but it takes a lot of little habits to lead up to them. And that part of it is, oh, so trying, you know, even as a coach, as an individual doing it themselves, whatever it's working on, it's those small habits, as important they are, they are incredibly frustrating. Um, and I think that kind of brings us to a couple of the points that you, you really uh, hit home on the progress and motivation side of things, you know, what to do when motivation maybe stalls or progress stalls. Mm -hmm. They have this uh, inverse um, or this relationship between progress and motivation, but also the 1% healthy every day, which ties into the fixing the mindset and self-talk. It's weird how you start here and you you start peeling back layers and like, ah, these things stack up so easily. They're perfect. But I know that's, that's a big part of your coaching business. And I want you to wrap on that. Like take, take me through maybe what you do with clients or uh, things you've seen, whatever it might be, however yeah. you want to do that. So I have to say, I, I can't fucking stand the term motivation yeah, or the idea rough, of yeah. motivation. Yeah. Um, I, people ask me all the time, like, oh my God, how do you stay motivated? I'm like, bitch, I don't. Like, are you <laughs> Do what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I try to explain to my clients, like, motivation is a feeling and if we are constantly relying only on feelings now i use the word only very intentionally because of course we need to be in tune with how we're feeling physically mentally emotionally all of that but if we only rely on feeling think of all the shit that won't happen if i don't feel like going to work i can't just not go um one of the examples i give is like who wakes up in the morning and is like, oh my God, I can't wait to brush my teeth right now. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no one is excited to do that, but you do it because it's what you're supposed to do and it's good for you and you need to do it. The exact same concept applies to our health and our goals. So shit, like the number of days that I actually feel motivated to work out maybe once a week. And that's like generous. Usually it's like, fuck, I have to go lift right now. Like I don't want to, my garage is hot. There's the music's not working. I I get like two minutes into it. And I'm like, I was really pumped about this, but two (laughs) minutes in, I'm not feeling it anymore. Seriously. But like (laughs) that's what you do if you care, right? Like if you care about your health, then that's what you do. Point blank. Commitment to self. Right. Absolutely. It is not about motivation. It is about dedication. It is about having a strong why. It is about doing the shit that you need to do to get things done. It is not about motivation. Um, and if you, I'm really big on the idea of 1% better every day. Um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit and then I promise this will relate to what we were talking about. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like most of the people that hire a coach are type A in one way or another, right? Like people who don't care about self-improvement don't hire coaches because they don't think it's a worthy investment, which is great. But what that means is that we also tend to be the kinds of people who want to do everything perfectly all at once. And that is not how it works. I don't know anyone like that. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, man. You've never seen that before. Um, I definitely don't look that person in the mirror every day at all. Me either. It's so weird. Um, But it's just like that is what causes burnout. And so I'll ask my clients, like, how many times have you tried, like, oh, I'm going to start going to CrossFit. I'm not going to eat any junk food. I'm not going to drink anything. I'm going to get 10,000 steps a day. How long does that last? A week? maybe two. And then all of a sudden when you quote unquote, drop the ball on one of those things, you're like, Oh, well shit, there it goes. Like I'm not doing it anymore. So that's, that's the new year's resolution. Absolutely. And there's that, no behavioral change yeah. and that requires motivation. So once we get that out of our heads and really just think about the idea of 1% better every day. I have a million different ways of saying this. You could say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. <laughs> you know, like 
<laughs> one bite at a time. Like you cannot shove that whole damn thing in your mouth. So however you think about it, whether it's eating an elephant, um, you know, Forrest Gump didn't get where he was going in one step. He had to start one step, but take it one step at a time. So you have to think about your, your goals that way. Like we can't just bypass the hard work, but you also don't have to do all of the work at once. So instead of thinking like, you know, on those days that you're really not feeling motivated, what can you do that's 1% better than yesterday? Can you, if you don't go, if you don't do your workout, if you just can't bring yourself to do your workout because of whatever reason you're hurting or you didn't get enough sleep or you're just mentally not in a good place, like, can you go for a longer walk than normal? Can you focus on, you know, hydrating during the day and getting to bed early? What can you do that will make a difference instead of just deciding, oh, I'm not motivated, so I'm not going to do anything? because that gets you nowhere and may even take you backwards. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. That's a, uh, I like that you, you can't bypass the hard work, but you don't have to do all the work at once. That, that is, um, that is a pretty elegant way of, of saying the exact problem that I have. I bet a lot of people, like you say, like more of a type A personality or just improvement personality where it's just a man, I want to do everything yesterday. And yep. <laughs> so then I end up getting less done. You know, my to-do list is 500 things long and it only keeps growing. And then you know, you pick one off and you're like, this sucks versus pick three priorities to hit, hit mm -hmm. today. Great. When you knock those out, then you've got miscellaneous, but hit these three things as non-negotiable as you kind of move forward. So that's, that's, um, I like that phrase. I like that quote. That's good. It's good. Um, so when, when people, when we talk about the mindset of making these changes, the behavioral changes, do you have any tools in your pocket that you tend to use with your clients? I, it, predominantly female. Uh, we've yeah. got one lucky guy in there, right? Um, <laughs> yes. As I was, I was hearing, which is, which is awesome. I mean, it, it's, I think it's really cool to dip your, your toe in, in different waters and, and just, it's a great, it's a great way to keep perspective on a lot of things and not think you're like going crazy, but also realize like there's, it's just, everything matters, you know, like yeah. um, everything matters, but nothing matters. Right. It's another phrase yep. we always use. Like we're all <laughs> the same, but we're all different. Um, so are there any tools that you really lean on as far as maybe mindset or just behavioral patterns and changes that you like to, to use with your clients that maybe that 1%, like the phrase sounds good, but maybe they're just mm -hmm. having a really hard time of, of catching gears with it. Sure. So usually that, comes kind of on a more individual basis, right? Like someone's having a bad day and they can't figure it out. So usually I will, I'm really big on a gratitude, some sort of gratitude practice. Um, I think, and we've talked about this with Jen too. She always likes to make us share things we're grateful for, but really it's hard to be in a shitty mindset if you're, if you're in a place of gratitude. Sure. So I have, I actually, funny timing, just in my newsletter today um, included kind of five short questions for people to either start or end their day. We'll see if I can remember them. One of them is, um, what's one thing you're grateful for? One of them is, what is one thing you love about your physical body or appearance? What is one thing you love about your character or your personality? Um, what is one thing that you're going to do today or that you did do today to fill up your cup? And of course, not remembering the last one, but you know, just kind of refocusing and saying like, take, take five minutes to, to really not just jot down an answer, but like, think about these things. And I feel like it's really hard to come away from that with a negative mindset. Yeah. Um, At least, uh, yeah, it's, it's an awareness perspective creator. So mm -hmm. that's cool. How do I'm a little plug for you here? You know, how do, where, what is the, um, uh, the email list or the, um, the newsletter newsletter that you have? How do, how does someone get signed up for that? So a couple different ways. Um, if you go to my website, which is just laraelizabethcoaching.com, there's a, one of those, I hate them annoying pop-ups that pops up in your face that you can type your little email address in, but then it won't pop up again. I don't think if you're on the same web browser. Um, Perfect. So people can just go there and get those five questions and, boom, and then unsubscribe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't unsubscribe. But. Yeah. Stay there. 
Well, sweet. We'll, we'll go into like, oh, how to find you and stuff. I just, for sure. you're sitting here thinking about it, I was like, well, shoot, get that out. Yeah, yeah. And that's cool. Uh, those five questions, it's, it is um, something that I agree with in terms of a practice. It's something that I don't always do very well in execution. Uh, it's like five right. minutes, but for whatever reason, I have a ton of resistance toward um, a mm. lot of those, those very simple, simple practices that probably will, it's like the 1% better every day, sure. 1% healthier every day. You know, like if you just do this one little habit, but if it's like, well, I only got to journal for three minutes, it wasn't 15 mm. minutes. Like, yeah, but three minutes over yeah. five days is, is 15 minutes. So, sure is. you know, so you still got whatever you needed into it. It doesn't have to be some, like, you don't have to build the whole Coliseum today. You just put a brick down. That's mm -hmm. it. That's it. Yeah. So it is uh, really about making goals, really goals or habits, uh, really digestible, um, which I think is, is really cool. So those five questions are really cool. I'll have to try to remember the last one, but I think the other thing that's really important when you are having that resistance, which we all have, like I was telling my husband yesterday, I don't know why I can't make myself just sit down and do this damn personal training course. Like I just <laughs> don't know why, like I just don't want to anyway. Um, but when we're, when we're having that resistance, I like to ask my clients why, like, what is it about this activity or this habit or, you know, this task that you don't want to do? And typically I find that people have a very, very hard time prioritizing themselves. And that a lot of times that's all it is. They either spend their life doing things for other people or, um, which is what I see mostly in women, or for men, it's not adding to their, you know, career, their income, their drive, not directly, though it, it? it will impact, <laughs> but yeah. not directly. And so they feel like it's pointless um, or it's just straight up a self-worth issue. And people do not think that they are worth the time and the effort and the self-love, which is unfortunately the most common that I find. Yeah, I, was, I, was, uh, I think I probably reside uh, quite, a, quite heavily in that camp, for mm -hmm. sure, for sure. So it's tough. And so I think that um, having a strong why is gonna alleviate some of the resistance because just like when we talk about motivation, if we have a really good reason for what we're doing and we can tap back into that, then we kind of get that little spark back of like, okay, yeah, 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 this is really important. I need to do it. Um, otherwise, I would say self-worth is probably a big, big hindrance. It's um, So we kind of chatted about this and, and I haven't really revealed too much about anything. I, I'm still working on the, the direction that I really want to head for myself and how I want to do it and all these things. But uh, knowing my experiences and, and just watching uh, kind of what's happening or has happened and continues to happen to men. And, and we've talked about a little bit about, you know, these things, but men are just very unhealthy right now. Um, you know, it's not that you have to have the body of a Greek goddess, but there is something to be said about taking care of your body and being in control of your nutrition and uh, feeling pride in, in the work that you do when you wake up and working, you know, whether, whatever your work, it could be going for a walk. It doesn't have to be this you know, right. I lift 5,000 pounds. Like, no, it, it, if that's what you choose to do, great. That's awesome. Uh, we talked about what it means to have, you know, purpose and drive and, and a responsibility essentially as a man. Um, and that in no way is directed at women to cut anyone down. It's a matter of like build up and be able to show up in all aspects of life. And um, it is really sad for me to look at myself, uh, something I've worked on. So I, I, I mean, on the podcast, I've, I've, you know, when this first started out, we started out as mental health with Nate and I, and obviously I've transitioned into a little bit more fitness, nutrition, performance, mindset, all these things. But I will always keep the mental health part of it. And specifically for men. So I played hockey growing up, played a little bit in college, uh, nothing super seriously, but serious enough that you'd take care of your shit. Um, and then just looking at men in general in culture. And we, we just, the answer is, bury that thought and that feeling down deep as far as you can. And like, let's just hope it never happens, but it's always running, mm -hmm. you know? And, and to me, like I've struggled with you know, my whole point. That was a podcast. I've already opened this up, but like I struggle with suicide 
pill addiction. I, I like to abuse pills uh, in my earlier 20s and not because I came from an addictive family in any way. Like it wasn't anything like that. I just found a way to release, you know, my pain. I numbed it or I escaped it for a minute. And that was what I did. It wasn't an everyday thing. It was like when things got so bad, it was like, take the figurative bullet, you know? And so I started to really recognize that when I played hockey, I only liked playing when I was in pain. And it was just another addiction of like, how do you get out of that feeling of not worthy or not feeling good enough or no purpose or hide, just hide. And so now as I become a 31 year old, I guess, man, child, and uh, you know, but it, it is, I did dig in these things. You hear even just young kids, they have got this opinion of themselves and you're like, no, we need to, we need to break this cyclical thought process and just bump you like the roller coaster falling off the tracks. We need it to get off the tracks for a minute. So you can go, Oh shit, I don't have to be on this ride all the time. Um, and that's, that's really a tough thing for me to look at, you know, I, watching people struggle with addiction, whether it be pills, alcohol, some other drugs, food, food. I mean, we'll get into that at food for sure. Uh, porn and sex and in video games and all these other things. Thanks, yes. uh, social media. I, I mean, we're all addicted to that in some capacity. Like just put the fucking phone down. Just sit, <laughs> literally just sit there. It's okay. Yeah. You know, I find myself where I'm, I just, I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit. I'm like, Oh, it's sitting right there though. You know, it's like everything I imagine crack cocaine to be like, where you're like, I was just gonna right say there. <laughs> you know? So to me, like there's, I don't think it's exclusive to men. I just think that we do a really poor job of building men up particularly where it's like, it's okay to have these feelings of insecurity mm -hmm. and of, of sadness or, you know, worthlessness or lacking self-worth, whatever, you know, all these things, it's okay. Now, again, we go on flip side and go, men need purpose, drive, responsibility, a reason to show up. And I think those are in deep connection there. Because if you don't have that range to go in and go, well, what's really going on with me? Why? You look at domestic violence. You look at gangs and drug deal. It's, it's all a power thing. Mm -hmm. And what's more powerful than for any, any human, not just men, but what's more powerful than being able to control that emotion to go, this is okay. This is my wife has pissed me the fuck off. It's okay. There's no reason to go do something drastic because it's okay. Why does that bother me? I maneuver it. And I, I, you know, I've made a post about this recently about just, I think about my nephew a lot, mm -hmm. you know, if, if not for my wife of like trying to show up better for her and our relationship and myself as a, as a growing human, I just look at my family and my nephew particularly. I'm like, what story is he going to see? Yep. You know, and, and as a man, that's um, that's really important for me, and it's it's really scary that we don't always do a great job of of creating that environment. And so, you know, I'm I'm not not aware of women struggling with the same things. It's just we've demonized feminine energy for men, and also kind of given off the vibe that like masculine energy means that you've got a penis for women. You know, and you're like, no, 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 these are about energies. They're about being in touch with self and. Um, to me, that's something I really struggle with. I've wondered if I'm pussifying men. I'm like, well, that's not my intention at all. My, my intention is for men to step into their power. And, and by, I mean by men, I mean me. I want to step into my power and hear my own voice and be confident and believe. So I can only imagine when you're working with, you know, you're married, so you probably get to witness on a day, more specifically because you do work with women predominantly, you, it becomes like really hypersensitive. You're like, whoa. You know, so I'm, I'm going to ask this question long, this whole long rant on my end to go, what has your coaching done for you and your, your marriage with Wade? How has that brought you closer and how has that made you more aware of the things that you guys just do differently as biological creatures? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of it is actually um, just kind of not being I don't want to say not being able to, but not being a hypocrite, right? And like walking the walk that I expect my clients to walk and do things like take care of myself first, which when my husband and I first met, I was not doing that. I was working <laughs> a really tough job. It was, uh, I was teaching at an alternative school that had a crazy schedule just based on the fact that the kids were only there. I say kids. Some of my students were like 21 years old. Um, 
they were only there for a half day. So the teacher's work day was essentially like seven to five with a 25 minute lunch. Um, I was commuting, so I would have to leave earlier than that. And then I would go beat myself up with these two hour Olympic weightlifting workouts and then not sleep because by the time I got home, ate, graded, did all the things, I was going to bed at probably midnight and waking up at 5.30 to do it all again. Um, and my husband is the most patient human I've ever met. And so like never said a word about any of this, but like when I think back on it, I was super hypersensitive. Like I assume you've never had a period, but like any women who are listening, when I say like the day before your period, when you don't realize what's happening and everything makes you want to cry. Like that's how I was all the time. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I haven't technically had a period, but depends on who you ask. I probably have a period a couple times a month. So <laughs> depends on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, I always just was on edge. I was exhausted all the time. Um, I was also working with a horrible nutrition coach who had me on like poverty calories. So it was just a recipe for disaster. So fast forward to, you know, almost three years later now, and I'm now putting myself first. And my husband knows that, like he knows that he comes second and that I come first, because if I don't come first, that negatively impacts him. It negatively impacts my clients. It negatively impacts my students and my colleagues. And so, you know, that I think is the biggest thing that I have gained personally is um, just kind of the dedication and obligation to put myself first always. Um, and also just as an example to my clients, um, and being able to say this honestly, that like, yes, I do this and no, people don't walk around telling me I'm selfish. Instead, they think, wow, she can really pour into other people because she takes care of herself first, which is the part that's really tough, I think, for people. You know, I think as women, especially if they're moms, they think they have to pour into their kids first and their husband first and their parents who are older, whatever it is. And men feel like, their career or school or whatever has to come first. And like, that is just so ass backwards. Yeah. It's counterintuitive. Um, so, and I, and I will say like, I don't know that I have actually asked my husband that question, but like if I were to ask him about my demeanor now versus my demeanor, when we first started dating, I'm sure he would say it's night and day. Like, even if I think about, we don't really fight. Like he would probably say we've never had a fight, but I hate confrontation. So like if I'm crying, it's a fight. And <laughs> <laughs> but I like, I don't think, I think the last fight we had was like two days before our wedding, where of course, like we hadn't slept. We were super yeah, yeah. I was back in this place of like, not really taking care of myself. And that was in October of last year. That was almost a year ago was our last. That's awesome. So you know, it really does make a difference to all of our relationships when, when we prioritize taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's, it is a very difficult thing to teach. It's a very difficult thing to execute, but um, it's also very simple. It's a basic thing, you know, and I, I preach, I mean, it's not like I, I, I founded this idea, um, but like basics are not easy. They're yeah. incredibly simple, but they are not easy to execute right. all the time, you know, like, but the more you can, fundamentally show up you know and, and keep doing that one percent better every day meditate just get whatever that routine may need to be meditate journal read answer three questions you know and like just pause for a second yep. maybe the difference between fighting and not fighting and one fight leads to two fight and whatever it might be and um you know it's funny my wife and i we're both like really like hot-headed people like we want somebody to know someone like this is how it's gonna go and like <laughs> sometimes we get in these arguments and we're like we're just like what are we fighting about? You know, what's, what's really wrong right now? Like I'm pissed off about this thing over here. It has nothing to do with that. I, that this happened or like, I, yeah, okay. I overcooked the steak. I, my mom called, you know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So it, sometimes like you, you know, we don't always concede that easily. Cause we're like, well, you know, this is what we do a little bit. And like, 
you know, but even then that's a really good, great growing experience because you start to become aware. And I think marriage has been one of the most magical things in the world because it's been the most challenging thing in the world I've ever done. But it's also been really rewarding to watch my wife grow through her struggles as an individual, her struggles in the marriage. And then my side of things where I go, I'm not at all the same, but like, this is so cool. You know, it doesn't mean it was easy. It doesn't mean that any day is really that easy. You know, I'm really grateful for the days where we're like, this is fucking flowing today. This is good. But I'm grateful for those days where we look at each other and go, you know what? I'm going to go sit over there. I'm just going to breathe for a minute. It's okay. And and it's it all those things are positives in my mind. So it's really cool to, man, you want your, your shit really exposed? Be in a very, very serious relationship. Yeah. Be in a very, very serious relationship with something or someone because it will expose your deepest, darkest, fucking dumb routines and thought processes and all these other things that come up. And that to me is, fuck, it's rewarding. But good Lord, is it exhausting sometimes. We're like, I cannot do this. And if you can. You absolutely can. You just have to peel back one layer, press mm-hmm. pause, identify, and we'll be good. So that's really cool to hear that you guys, uh, you know, it sounds like marriage and even business, you know, like these things can happen with food. Uh, I was working with a, one of my, one, an old, old teammate of mine, actually, in, in, with nutrition, and he started getting really good control over his food, you know, just not emotional, not binging, anything like that. And he said, I just feel so much more confident in my body. And I was like, well, I'm going to pause you right there. I said, is it that you are looking better that's giving you your confidence? Or is that you are in control of something that we do on the daily multiple times and that's giving you your, your confidence? I said, the answer is probably both. You, yeah. actually, you, look, you look great, man. You should be feeling your fucking self. You look good. But also recognize that it, is, it has nothing to do with your aesthetics that like really is fueling this thing. It has everything to do with I made a good decision here, which made it easier to interact with my wife, my daughter, work people, whatever it might be. There's no chaos. The chaos has been quieted. And to me, like, you know, I, I've always struggled with my food. And I think that's why I'm on this little, like I'm leaning into nutritional because I'm like, I love talking about food and the behaviors behind it because I'm still trying to navigate mine. And I think everybody is, I think everybody is in some capacity where what's, what's the right thing to do? How do I navigate maintaining and not wanting to? Right. You got to eat or you, you know, maybe we can't afford to get this today. I don't know. So that, that's really cool to see that um, both business and relationship can flourish and they probably feed each other. You know, everything is kind of uh, in synchronous synchronicity with like other things. It's just this ebbs and flow. So that's, that's really cool. Um, man, I don't even know where we are on time. Uh, <laughs> I've, we're good. I don't even know what I don't even know what time we started this thing. I feel like this has been awesome. Um, is there anything anything like pressing you want to talk about? I've gone through all my like notes and questions, but I'm here to wrap. Like we can write well, all day long. I mean, so I guess I feel like I should talk a little bit about food since I am a nutrition coach, and this is something that you said that made me think. You of- know what? I <laughs> I do have food freedom. We didn't even talk about. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, that's actually almost exactly what I was just going to bring up. Is kind of the idea that like. I think a lot of people think that nutrition coaching is just about food. And then once they start coaching, they start to see like, oh no, this is really more of like, and I'm not going to pretend I'm a life coach because I'm not, but it's almost like a life coaching concept using food as the tool. Yeah. And I see that so much in, in my clients where like, kind of like you, this is what made me think of it is you were just saying your client who is now in control of his food. It's like, well, yeah. And then that's one less thing that you really have to think about. And then you can focus that energy on something else. And then once you get that under control, you can focus your energy on something else. And so it's really this ripple effect and we're using food as the tool to tap into our past conditioning, become more self-aware start to take care of ourselves like it's so much more than you know here take a meal plan and like yes I know that there are coaches who just say here's a meal plan or here's a template or here are your macros but like man it there's so much more to it so much more it's, to it. it is and it it's um like you said most people don't really understand it uh, it's in terms of like they think it's just this one thing but and that's okay you can give out those meal plans but it's not going to be behavioral change 
you know, right. generally that's not going to work that way, but it's, uh, it is fascinating to watch them go like, well, what do we, what do you mean? We got to have a call or we got to do this. You're like, yeah. we, we need to chat about what happened or what is happening, what you're feeling. And like, it's not something that like is voluntary as far as like, you can go work out or you don't have to work out. I, I honestly, I'm going to suggest you do, but like, right. if you tell me you don't want to work out, great. That's not only my battle today. It's not going to be on bail. I'll try and get you walk or what? I don't know, do some squat, whatever, fine. But uh, food isn't an option. We we have to, like, for survival, you've got to ingest things. So yeah. it, it is one of those things of, like, there is a relationship bred out of, with nutrition, not necessarily because we want it to, but because we have to. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes it a really fascinating thing because it's, you have opportunity all around you to change behavior and, and really introduce what it means to have food freedom. And, and like self-admitted, I've done much better, but I am hardly like, you know, I still eat something that quote unquote may not be the best suited, you know, food for me. I still struggle. I'm like, ah, oh, why did I do that? But mm-hmm. that's also, I think something that will happen to some degree all the time, you know, where these, these are your growing pains and, and, they're here to teach you something. And, and just because you got under control for a day, a week, a month, two months, two years, doesn't mean that these things won't ripple up. So it's, it is really interesting. It's, uh, I'd be interested to hear how you, how you would do this when you start with somebody, uh, you're in the macro family of things, right? You, you, you're, you're a macro tra- or. So I do. Yeah, I'll I, let you just speak on it. How do you, know, what, would you, what do you do to open up with your clients? So I have two different, kind of methods that I take with my clients. I do have just a handful of macro-based. Those are typically my athletes who are looking to improve performance um, or my women who need to reverse diet who come to me saying they're eating 1,100 calories. And I'm like, okay, well, we're going to use calories and macros to make sure that you're eating enough. Yeah, we burned um, 1,100 calories farting today, so we got to eat a few more. Literally. <laughs> like, you sat still all day, <laughs> and you burn more than that, um, yeah. which, again, that could be a whole episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the other method, so I mentioned that I did precision nutrition for my certification, and they um, have software called ProCoach that I am, like, obsessed with. It is the perfect mix, which makes sense because their textbook is the same mix of like half, um, you know, food, I guess you could say, and half mindset of like, you know, when, when the clients first start, we don't talk about food really for like a month, which drives them crazy. And I am so close to putting like a three month minimum requirement on my coaching because (laughs) when people get to the three month point, that's like where their life totally starts to change. But at the beginning, they're like, I wanted to talk about food because we don't start with food. We start with getting used to logging into the software, taking that time for yourself every day Um, And we build from there. We get really into one of my favorite activities is called the five whys. So you start with your really basic level, like I want to lose weight. And then you take it a little bit deeper. Why do you want to lose weight? Well, I want to fit into my old clothes. Why do you want to fit into your old clothes? And then it ends up getting to like some super deep, like, well, I lost my mom when I was 28 and I wore those jeans. Like I had those, that pant size when she died. And it's like all these memories flooding back. And so that's when you start to realize and when the client starts to realize this isn't only about food. This is about a lot more than food. So yeah, 100%. You know, it's, I, I, I took the PN1 certification as well. I thought it was, I thought it was really well done as far as like uh, teaching you to, to coach the stuff, you know, like. I thought that was better than the scientific side of things where it was like, I, you know, I, I can always learn more things, but it was like, all right, you got a basic understanding of this thing. You, you have a basic understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the coaching side of it is really cool. I, I like, I try to use the, you know, they use hand portions and stuff like that. I try to use that as a tool of like, you can have your freedom when you go out and stuff like that. But, you know, obviously we get start digging into these things. You're like, okay, well, we need to understand the whys, what's really happening, awareness. And I only, you know, the more we can be consistent is going to have our results show up better outward, like outwardly. We're going to have these appearances show up better for us. 
And I like to use the hands as a way of like, well, listen, if you tell me you straight up don't want to do it, great, we have this tool. But it's like, don't feel like you can't go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you can't enjoy time with your wife or your girlfriend or your husband or whatever it might be. But yeah, I totally agree. It's, it is pretty eye-opening when, when you start digging in and you're like, why do you want to lose weight? And you're like, I feel fat. And then like a couple questions later, they're crying and you're like, why are you crying? Because you want to lose weight. You yeah, know? Right? Uh, and you're like, oh shit, what the hell was that? Yep. But in a lot of times it doesn't, you know, that's why it's easy to have this conversation and almost forget to talk about food. Yeah. Because the majority of it, like food is really just something like, well, we have to have it, mm-hmm. but it's hardly the problem. You know, right. there are problems with food, but it's hardly the problem. It's usually the emotion behind it or the why in which reason you, which you're reaching or not reaching for certain things and um, creating habits. So it, it is really fascinating and the coolest thing about coaching, I had a therapist tell us to me once, and I've, I've had it, and I've heard it, grabbed it, and ran with it, but it's teach what you want to learn. Mm. And I think that every time you get to go back and start over somebody, or you get to take that next stride with somebody, you know, you don't ever have to always, you don't have to always have the experience that I've done it. Right. It's a matter of like, I'm here with you, but it, man, is it transformational as a coach when people's, the light goes off for people and you get to kind of, walk with them through that fire and they come out the other side of it going like, fuck yeah. You know, and and to me, like even going back to the beginning of it, you know, a lot of, when I'm working with somebody in the gym, I don't really like to go back. I don't, I have a particular client I like to work with and work with all ranges, but like, these are the ones I get the most enjoyment out of. I can teach you a lot, but I also don't have to teach you everything. Like, Right. We know how to sit down and take a shit. Great. We're going to use that today to squat. That's how we're going to just approach thing, and then we'll clean it up from there. Uh, but it is kind of the same thing with food where it's just very much like, you know, a lot of times I'll give, I try to give people what they want and I also try to get what I need yeah, yeah. out of that situation. So, you know, like mesh this whole thing. And it's one of those things like, here's your macros, but here's what I'm really concerned about. I want you to hit an overall calorie load. Uh-huh. If, if it's, 90% protein or nine, I don't care what the macros make up of this thing. I just want you to figure out again, how do we log in? Mm-hmm. How do we keep track of these things to some level of consistency? Do you know how to measure? Do you know what you're measuring and why you're measuring it? You mess up, you mess up. It's not the end of the world. We're trying to create these habits and instructions so that you have the autonomy to go do this. And then as we kind of start hitting like, Oh yeah. Okay. We're at 2000 calories. Fine. We hit this for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Then we start going, I want the calories hit with the protein. And then we continue to ask, why, why, why? And then they go, my body's changing. You go, but what's that make you feel? And what's going on? What do you have control? And it's such a magical, multi-dimensional experience uh, that like you get to walk over and over and over again. And it feels like you're walking it yourself. And you go, you know, there's times where I coach somebody and like I go to make my next meal and I'm like, oh, yeah. I totally lost track of what I was doing and I have not been paying attention. I've been really consistent with this and like dial it back in. Like I feel better. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Just what like that little bit of like focus and control can do. So I think that's when you talk about food freedom, it's hardly about, did you hit your macro? Right. There's you so know, like goes into it. And I think it's so wild. That's why I'm so big on the educational part of this. And I think why I kind of, just fell into doing this is like, there are so many different aspects of finding food freedom, right? Like for some people, it's gonna, the proportions are gonna be different for different people, right? Like some of it is knowledge and education because I feel like when we really understand food for what it actually is and what it does in our bodies, then we can look at it objectively. And we don't look at it as this emotional thing. We just think about, oh, like, I need protein because it helps repair my muscles and my cells. And like, it's something that I need because it helps my body. Um, And then there's tapping into past conditioning. Like, why do you, why do you think this way about food? Um, And digging in, gosh, I had one, I did an exploration call with someone, a friend of mine actually. And, and I said, you know, what was, what was the talk of food in your body? Like in your house growing up? And she goes, oh my God, I've literally never thought of this, but my mom used to hide the junk food from us and my sister and I would sneak to the pantry and take it. And it was like, we were breaking the rules and doing something bad. And so this idea of junk food being bad and breaking the rules had stuck with her 
since she was a kid and she'd never thought about it before. So for some people, it's really kind of, first of all, noticing the past conditioning and then being able to work through it. For other people, it's a coping mechanism. Like I have one client who just sent me a message yesterday. She has had struggled with eating disorders and all sorts of issues with food, was convinced nothing was going to work. I twisted her arm hard enough to get her to start working with me. And I got a message from her yesterday about some tough things that she's going through. And she said, you know, in a past me would have used food as a coping mechanism. And it's really hard for me to sit here and feel instead of sitting here and eating, but I'm doing. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so that's impressive. That's really cool. So cool. And like, that's what I mean about working with adults, I think is like, just, you know, she's almost 40 years old and she's lived with this until now. And like my heart kind of breaks that like we took until she's 39 years old, but at the same time, it's like, well, shit, she has this freedom now for the rest of her life. Um, but there are so many things that come into finding food freedom and we really need to figure out which one we need to work the most on, like which one is our own biggest obstacle And then we can start to tackle the other ones after that. But it really is a a long process that I think a lot of people don't realize. And so when they want a meal plan and I try to explain to them why I don't give meal plans, it's frustrating until they start going through this really tough inner work and they see, just to use your own words, like the layers kind of peeling away. It's It's cool because the adults can reach the light switch. Mm-hmm. And so when they do reach it, they just flip it on. They go, oh. Whereas a kid, they're they're still not quite tall enough to like really reach it and <laughs> yeah. flip it on. So it, it is it is a pretty fascinating experience. And I literally just wrote down a little note: like food freedom is rarely about food. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is it is it's a wild, wild experience as a coach and as you know, having coaches or wa- walking that walk and and trying to uncover your own bullshit and right. um, you know, what what is this and. Man, life life is this gift that keeps on giving and it gives in so many like odd and fascinating, rewarding, difficult ways. And you're like, my God, this is like just never ending. You're like, yeah, this is awesome. It's so cool. But that's awesome. Um well now I've officially I wrote all my notes around food freedom, so I've officially double checked. I've listed off every note that I have, but if there is anything that you want to talk about, it's free game. If not, we'll wrap this thing up and we'll let you get out to, it looks like rain here. I don't know what it's like in Dallas there. Actually raining here also. Great. So you're sending it here. That's awesome. That's great. Um, summer's over. So I guess whatever. I don't know. I, I can't believe so, summer's uh, over. All in six weeks of a hundred degrees probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dallas, that monster, man. Uh, the Texas in general, that monster. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like, you can feel the temperature. Humidity is pretty much dropped out here already. And like the other morning I was out six o'clock and we taking a walk. I walked out the door. And I was like, "Oh shit, it's getting cold already." I'm like, mm. "Man, I used to like the cold. Now I'm like, this is stupid. Oh, this sucks. I'm gonna yeah. start wearing a coat again soon. This is bullshit." But, um, Laura, this is this was a ton of fun. I'm super grateful to have you on here. I'm I'm super pumped that you were the first person to ever pitch me for a podcast. Um, that that was pretty sweet. Yeah, like cherish that forever. <laughs> You put that on the old resume for you, you know. I'm gonna be first like, you pitch. know, <laughs> I pitched to life well done, and yeah, I was the yeah. first one. Yeah, we're both <laughs> transcending to the top. It's gonna be awesome. So, um, Laura, last few things here. We'll, we'll start wrapping up, I guess. Um, where can people find you? I know you you mentioned your website, but just take us all through it and uh, yeah, yeah. make sure it's all connected too. Instagram is the best way to get a hold of me. It's really the only social platform that I like. Um, so I am at lara.days, which seems way harder than it is. It's L-A-R-A dot D-A-Y-S, like days of the week. Um, thanks to my husband for that one. My maiden name was not, not that easy. <laughs> Um, so Instagram is the best way to find me. I've got a link tree with my website, my free Facebook group, um, sign up for my newsletter. So that's, that's really your one-stop shop is the old Instagrams. I love it, man. So social media is just, I don't know. I can't wrap my head around it sometimes. I'm like, what am I doing here? So grateful for it over these past few months though. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's when used properly, I guess, I don't know what properly even means at this point, but when used in a particular way, it's this like magical thing. And then like we were talking about earlier where you're like, ah, it's like everything I imagine craft to be like, where you're just like, I can't, I 
keep, what am I doing? What I don't want to be doing this, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm doing it again. Yes. <laughs> but all right. So the last question I always ask everybody, uh, in some capacity, when everything's said and done, what will it mean for you to have lived a life well done? Just really, if I have helped, I would say one person, but that's really not good enough for me. But if I have helped a number of people step into their power and recognize their worth as a human being on this planet, then I will die happy. Boom, right there. Well, sweet. Laura Davies, thank you so much for uh, chit-chatting. This is a ton of fun. Uh, I kind of got lost there. Missed some notes, all these things. So I that love means it. It means it was a great conversation. So truly appreciate you. Um, glad, glad to have you on, and we'll keep uh, fighting the good fight. Love it. Thanks, Brian. Of course.